0: You're listening to Past and Present, the Colonial Williamsburg Podcast. Hey, welcome to the podcast. I'm Harmony Hunter. Colonial Williamsburg's historic area is seeing a construction boom to rival the 1926 reconstruction efforts of John D. Rockefeller and W.A.R. Goodwin. Fresh on the heels of Charlton's Coffee House and Anderson's Armory Complex comes a new project to resurrect the Colonial Market House. Architectural historian Carl Lounsbury joins us today to talk about the project and the history behind it. Carl, thanks for being back on the show.
1: Well, it's fun uh, and it's great to talk to the public about the kind of research that we do. Um, Oftentimes our work begins years and years and years before the actual construction happens or sometimes it doesn't happen at all. And uh, it's good to get that word out that what we're doing is, and hopefully uh, they'll see the fruits of it
0: Speaking of the fruits of construction, just before we start about the the topic of the market house, we've seen a lot of reconstruction in recent years. We've reconstructed Charlton's Coffee House. We've reconstructed Anderson's Armory Complex. And now we're looking at uh, reconstructing the market house. So this this must be an exciting time to be an architectural historian and see all of these buildings rise up from the ground again.
1: Well, uh, sometimes it's a little scary when you see them rising up because you always query yourself whether or not What you've designed is correct, but even so, it is fun to see uh, your design work come to fruition like that. But the Market House is a project that has a deep history here at Colonial Williamsburg. In fact, as far back as you were mentioning in the the 1920s and 30s, Dr. Goodwin was very interested in having that reconstructed. And uh, for whatever reason, that building was not reconstructed at the time.
0: A market house pretty much is what it sounds like what was the colonial market house what happened there
1: well the market house was basically uh, the emporium for the city this is where uh, the what in the in the 18th century were called the necessities of life were sold to the inhabitants of the city of williamsburg every town both in in um, colonial america as well as In England and European cities had a market house or more than one market house for example in New York City there were six or seven Uh, Charleston had three some were very specialized uh, areas where they sold just meat others were fruits and vegetables and still others were multi-purpose in in our case we know that our market was a multi-purpose market it was probably a one-story structure Uh, standing slightly above the ground on a brick foundation. It had wooden posts and uh, a roof over it, but was probably open from the sides. It had deep overhangs. It probably had a small bell turret. Uh, All these things were there to um, signal the uh, function of this building, which was to sell produce as well as other items that were brought in.
0: You have scant evidence about Williamsburg's market house specifically so as a researcher when you start to try to pull together uh, evidence of what a reconstruction um, should look like what do you go to to try to find out um, what this should have looked like what it would have looked like in the period when you don't really have a whole lot
1: well obviously archaeology is our primary uh, source of information when a building has disappeared um, and yet another primary source of information are documents. So we have some uh, evidence from newspapers, the Virginia Gazette telling us about when it was going to be built, uh, the, the call for carpenters to submit proposals in 1757. But we also have um, people writing in to the newspaper complaining about the quality of the market, that it was not as well regulated, that certain um, merchants were charging more than they thought fair, the usual complaints about the high price of food. We also have evidence from other sources. Uh, one, The one element that we are missing in this, unfortunately, are the city of Williamsburg's... Um, uh, record books. Uh, these are the, the records kept by the uh, city council, and we, unfortunately that council record book or books uh, was destroyed in 1865 when they were sent uh, three years earlier to Richmond for safe keeping during the Civil War. And in that record book there would have been very detailed specifications for the construction of that building as well as the um, regulations that set the fair prices for food by the magistrates, uh, as well as minutes by the clerk of the market who was charged with overseeing the um, activities of the market. All of those things would have been in those city record books, which unfortunately disappeared. We know that because other cities in Virginia have their uh, council records surviving for example fredericksburg and norfolk and we can gain a lot of information sort of analogous information from those city records of those cities as well as others uh, up and down the eastern seaboard where we have these specifications for these buildings for example we know the norfolk market house built in 1736 was 15 feet by 30 feet, and it talks about being raised up on a, on a brick platform and having deep overhangs. Uh, the uh, market house built in Annapolis in 1752 was 20 feet by 40 feet, uh, the same sort of specifications for those kind of details. So there is a pattern here that we, are, we see from other buildings that, that this market house was of a type. Uh, there's obviously variations in size, some of the buildings may have been partially enclosed with with um, weatherboarded walls and 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 uh, big wide doorways that could be thrown open during market day, but in general they all had these similar characteristics. Uh, we also look at standing buildings that survive uh, to get again more detailed information about, for example, the height of the posts and uh, how the big. Iron spikes were nailed into the post to hold the the sides of beef and all these other uh, features that we know existed, uh, the actual size of bell turrets and the the general size of bells, uh, we've gathered from looking at standing structures. Uh, All these things we've picked up and been able to feed into our design.
0: Why is it important to reconstruct this market house? What story are we going to tell there? What are visitors going to learn there that uh, we haven't been telling as much of?
1: Well, the market is is essential for any well uh, for any town uh, because it is the place where food was sold. Uh, many people did not have access to uh, meat, vegetables, produce, and they had to buy it. Through a market and these markets were not freewheeling emporiums as we think of them today where you charge the price that you believe that you can charge to, to make a nice profit. Uh, they were, the, these prices were set by the city council in an effort to make sure that everyone had access to food. The last thing in the world that a city wants is a population that's hungry. And this goes back to the medieval times, uh, even Christian charity, which made it um, an imperative that the poor be fed because uh, not that they were given free handouts, but they didn't want uh, individuals uh, to what they called engross, that is, buy up all the produce at one time and then turn around and sell it at exorbitant prices because uh, a hungry populace is an angry populace, and you want this... Uh, uh, you want uh, peace within your town. So instead of having prices just shoot up, um, they set a, what they called a fair price for these food uh, stuffs the price of meat, the price of eggs, uh, the price of cheese and butter. All these things were set. You can charge as much as this, you can charge less, but if you charge too much, you might be brought before the magistrates. And uh, charged with um, gouging the public, so it was a highly regulated affair. They were also very concerned about the quality of the food. They didn't want rancid food being sold. Uh, so the the clerk of the of the market would go around and make sure that the beef was not spoiled, that the butter was uh, not rancid, and and uh, the milk and the rest of these uh, things brought to the market were actually um, that you know sort of not I wouldn't call it a food and drug administration approach but certainly uh, one that um, was concerned about the quality of the food and they didn't want a sick populace either so they they were very concerned about all these these elements there Uh, they markets were set up for what they called householders first of all so here in Williamsburg uh, they wanted to make sure that uh, people who um, ran the household had opportunity to buy fresh produce, fresh meat, fresh eggs, fresh butter uh, before anyone else, and so sometimes it, they would stipulate that only householders could buy products in the morning when the market was open, and only in the afternoon could others, people who, for example, tavern keepers who n- needed to buy lots of food, just to to to, um, to produce. for their their guests were allowed to come into the market to buy whatever was left over. So it is this great concern for the individual householders. Because of that, the markets became uh, one of the most uh, mixed areas within the town in terms of who was there. You get slaves coming to the market both to buy and to sell um, produce and other goods. You have small householders there buying things. You have uh, wealthy housewives coming to purchase food. You have um, artisans coming to buy bread. I mean, it's just a, an, an indiscriminate mix of people. A lot of English um, prints that we see, for example, show uh, just how busy and the bustle of the market. So here's, here's a place in Williamsburg on market day that you have all aspects of colonial society coming together in a way that you can't see it anywhere else in the town of Williamsburg. So this is the sort of thing that we would really love to convey to people, our visitors when they come to see this. That this was yes, it was it was a it was a like a modern grocery store, but it was also it was a place to chat with your neighbors, it was a place to do deals and it but it was all kind of done within the purview of the magistrates, making sure that nothing was done illegally. Um, So much so that they would mark out the boundaries of the market with either posts or pillars or bollards and saying you can sell within these boundaries, but not outside the boundaries. If you sell outside the boundaries, you're violating uh, city ordinances, but you have to sell within the boundaries within a certain, time frame so that it might be from sun up to sundown or from six in the morning till noon or in the winter time it might be uh, until three o'clock in the afternoon. A bell would be rung to signal the opening of the market as well as the closing of the market. So it was an, as I said, it was a very highly regulated um, chaos.
0: What a wonderful reconstruction this is. Like so many of the buildings in the historic area, it lets us tell so many stories from government regulation to the different types of people to the ways that that people ate and people socialized. I'm really looking forward to watching this project proceed. And uh, we'll we'll be talking to you in the coming months and years and and following uh, the reconstruction of the Market House.
1: Thanks. It's been a lot of fun.
0: We're always glad to hear from you. Send comments or suggestions from our webpage at podcast.history.org or find us on Facebook. To support the podcast and other Colonial Williamsburg programs, visit history.org donate.